0: Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Jim Payne about how he is helping to solve the laboratory shortage. Jim is the medical lab assisting and phlebotomy instructor at Wemoco, where over the last 10 years he has developed a top-level medical laboratory program for his juniors and seniors in high school. Now, as regular listeners of uh, Clinical Lab Chat and readers of CLP know, I've spent a lot of time over the past year or so talking and writing about the laboratory and shortage and how we can solve it. And certainly there's no easy answers, but I think as my introduction indicated, today's guest is tackling uh, the problem in a uh, very direct way that could be a key part of uh, solving this dilemma or, or puzzle. So, Jim. Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat. I'm really excited to talk to you about the training program you run at Wimoco. And so let's dive, let's dive right in. So first, tell me uh, a bit about the program. How does it work? And my understanding is a real hands-on thing, right? It's not just kids sitting in there taking notes, right?
1: No, absolutely. So thank you very much. I'm really excited to be on Clinical Lab Chat tonight. And uh, so I have a high school medical laboratory assisting and phlebotomy program in Spencerport, New York. Our juniors and seniors in high school will uh, learn about 60 employable laboratory skills and they will uh, learn those not only in medical lab skills, but they're transferable to biotechnology, to chemical labs, food labs, environmental labs, um, research forensics, all those sorts of things. Our students in their first year will gain experience in a variety of techniques that I learned a lot in college, whether it's using micropetters, using binocular compound microscopes, it's using spectrophotometers, using, our, um, t- doing titration. Our students even learn a little basic organic chemistry is part of making soap. Um, they learn extensively the theory and the technique behind phlebotomy, not only in the antecubital region, drawing blood in the elbow, but also learning how to do hand veins, learning how to do finger sticks. They will get into college level hematology and learn uh, the techniques around blood smears and uh, how to do hematocrits. They get into college level immunology. We actually play a fun um, board game that helps them to imagine that they're a microorganism trying to destroy the body and they get to see how the different parts of the immune system attack them so that they can better imagine what they're seeing and then we get into some A&P. They will spend 40 hours drawing blood on real patients for real samples in our local laboratories. Uh, and as part of a certification that, that they can get at the end of their first year um, in phlebotomy. On their second year, they'll do college-level uh, microbiology. They're doing all sorts of stains, whether it's gram stains uh, endospore stains, capsule stains, all sorts of things like that. We get into uh, some advanced plating. So now are they doing streaks, but they're getting into McConkie and EMB, MSA. They're doing Kirby-Bauer antibiotic testing. Uh, they'll even get into catalase, uh, testing and some other bi- basic biochemical tests using like carbofer- carbohydrate fermentation tests. Um, they'll even get, uh, get into uh, some clinical chemistry and urinalysis. They will get certified in um, CPR, AD, and first aid. They'll also get into um, molecular diagnostics, genetics at the college level. So they're learning things like restriction digestion um, and cloning, PCR, bacterial transformation. They'll spend 80 hours in the medical labs training to be medical lab assistants so they can then sit for national certification and medical lab assisting. In both cases, they can get jobs straight out of the program. But we like to think of this program as the minor league of the medical laboratory, because if you have the uh, minors filled in uh, baseball, you have a large set of minor league players. Some of them can move up to the majors. Um, some will stay down in the minors. And you have, that's a great phlebotomist that can, anyone can draw their blood. But um, our guys, a lot of them, do go on to college for medical lab careers. Um, and they even get into some research with uh, other universities. It's a really strong program. Granted, they, they, because it's college-level stuff, there's certainly um, some bookwork, But they get a lot of skills along with it. And unlike your normal IB or AP course, uh, that's a you know, biology course, My students, the goal is that they become skilled in that. So if they make a mistake when they're doing a titration or when they're doing um, a microbiology test, they can't just, you know, skip over it and go copy off their friend like what tends to happen. Um, You know, the goal is each individual student comes out skilled in it, you know, all 60 skills, ideally.
0: Yeah, great. And and you're really giving them a leg up. We talked about a bit about that in our pre the pre interview. And one thing that we also talked about was kind of the stigma of vocational education. So, uh, I mean, this is a I mean really kind of falls into the vocational high school ed, uh, experience. And we talked a little bit about how um, this is really kind of taking a little bit of the stigma off it because you are recruiting a very a much more diverse academic. Uh, student population right and you had some some there's some issues involved with with that when we were talking about that so uh talk about the, a how you're taking that stigma off maybe that vocational uh that vocational education which it shouldn't have uh, a stigma no matter what what you're what you're doing for sure um but also talk about how it maybe you have a little bit more of an academically diverse student uh student population that's taking this and How's how's that helping the program?
1: Yeah, so um, the old term was vocational education. Now it's called career and technical education. And really, the vocational education was very much of like a monkey see, monkey do. You know, the teacher teaches you how to to turn the wrench, and right. you do that. Um, there wasn't as, t- as much academics as there is now across the board. All programs are a lot more academically focused than they ever used to be. Um, I mean, my students can get science credit, they can get English credit, they can get health credit. Wow. Um, we have uh, currently five, and we're gaining another one, so it'll be eight dual credits through local colleges. So the, the rigor is there, and as I've gotten tons of local leaders to come in, whether that's politicians like uh, town or county legislators, uh, state representation like assembly people or state senators to come in and really see what these kids can do, that they are so much farther advanced. And they may have been a student that struggled in high school before their junior year and before they came to me because they didn't really have direction. Right. If I, Why would I do I have to learn how to do algebra geometry or biology class if it doesn't mean anything to me? And if I already didn't have the base skills that I should have gotten in elementary school, now I'm even farther behind. Where with my students, when we're um, teaching them how to do the math around making laboratory solutions, for example, that requires algebra. And they have to uh, actually make something with the algebra, and suddenly it starts to make a lot more sense than the way that they were taught in a traditional high school where it's, I explain how to do this problem, and then you do 50 more at home. If you didn't really get it, well, then you're falling behind. Right. And so with these guys, they're seeing I made something. I had to make a 10% bleach solution. I had to do a little algebra to figure that out. Or I needed to make this molar solution. I had to do a little algebra to figure that out. And so um, I find our students, even a lot that did struggle in high school, when they find their passion, they find what they want to do, they're a lot more driven and these are kids that may not have always been high school or college students bound although i do have plenty of those um, that uh, find their niche and if they don't go straight to college a lot of them after a few years of working Know for certain this is what they want to do, and then they're off to college and are way ahead of their classmates.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, and and we talked about one thing I, I think was interesting is that you've you've had it both both sides of the the coin too. You've had we, you, we talked about the one student you had who was really interested in, in the idea of going to pathology, and you think like, I I don't know about that, and she got into it and said this is for me, and you had another one who was. Determined that he was going to go on to, I think it was uh, Howard, and uh, said, eh, "This is really for me." <laughs>
1: no, I, I can give you uh, the the brief version of those. So the one that was interested in microbiology and going to Emory, he wanted to work with the most infectious things on the planet, and he, uh, after going through my course, found out he didn't like icky things. And right. microbiology is icky things. So if, yeah, if you're sure. not interested in that. There's not much you can do in micro that's not icky. And so he ended up being an auto tech. He decided, I like working on my car. That's what I want to do. And had he gone to college, he would have been, uh, you know, third year of college before he was 100% certain it's the micro. It's not, you know, that one course. Exactly. Um, With the other student that was interested in pathology, I actually, because she was very interested and wanted to figure it out, I set her up with a shadow in our local lab where she got to spend three hours in the gross room with the pathologist's assistant, half hour with the top pathologist in our area um, on one of those multi-head teaching scopes while she was diagnosing disease, and then even got to sit in on a gross conference after an autopsy at the hospital uh, for two and a half hours. Got to see a human brain, like all these other tissues that were coming down. And one of the things with pathology is especially if you're on the pathologist assistant side of it you're seeing whole organs you're they have smells um, definitely the formalin preservative has a smell right and you've got to know if you that's something you want to do and had she not done that in high school she may have gone all the way to her pathologist assistant school and then realized oh yeah i don't like that yeah. So sure. um, it's a, a huge advantage, the connections that we can uh, make for students and allow them to really explore all the different careers in laboratory medicine. And, and it keeps them interested and excited
0: too. Oh, as, absolutely. As, as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, the other thing I think was interesting when you're talking about is how you've really kind of now. You, the way you've been recruiting students is kind of now your little, I think, your secret weapon. And so, talk a little bit about how you are now recruiting students, how difficult it was, and then how,
1: how you're recruiting them now. Yeah, so for a, a number of years, we had issues with recruitment. Um, you know, we had the medical laboratory, as everyone knows listening to this, were the hidden profession to a mm-hmm. certain extent. Uh, career and technical education is the hidden type of education that it's supposedly only for students that can't be successful in college or problem students, and that's not what it is at all. It can be, but it, uh, it can also be for your regular student to be able to explore a career. But we struggle trying to get the message out properly, that sort of thing. And we, the way that my program works is students select to come to it from their high school so they're missing two and a half hours a day to come to me and so the uh when they did our tour day where they got to come in for like 45 minutes and view our program i traditionally would do a a lecture for 20 minutes about what the program is and then we'll try to get you in the lab hopefully have some fun and when you've got you know 15 or 20 students in a room trying to get them to cycle through all these different stations it was like four minutes of station and you really can't have any discussion. And so I flipped it on its head and said, no, 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 I'm not going to do any talking is if I can get away with not talking at all. That's what we're going to do. I want the kids running the show. And so the students who are interested in the program come in, they get lab coats on, they get gloves on, and then my one student starts off telling the story of what's going on, that we got a medical mystery, got two patients that are sick, we're going to draw their blood, we're going to have some urine that we got collected, and then you guys are going to go back in the lab and you're going to do the tests and record down the data and then come up front and we'll discuss what the results could be and um while they're doing the teaching these students how to blow nagros joe how to uh put bacteria on a slide or how to do a blood smear or how to do urinalysis um though all those sorts of things that they um, the students are also talking about the program they're doing all the stuff right. that i used to do talking about you have this many dual credits and this many hours of co-ops and yada yada, yada they do all that talking and it's student to student and if a student suddenly has a question they'll answer it in a student friendly way that it it completely changed we went from typically getting um somewhere in the range of uh, eight new students a year to 16 in one year wow and um i think it's only going to continue to grow uh we're right now i have maxed out on my lab benches i'm (laughs) all uh, right that's uh, um, now I'm gonna have to start finding other places to put students. Um, but <laughs> it's not uh, a bad it, thing. <laughs> no, it, you know, absolutely not. But uh, yeah, the, that was the, the change is trying to have the students do the teaching, and that's actually the same model that we use with those legislators and district superintendents and that sort of thing have the them become the texts in training, have them learn from my students, have my students do all the talking, and I just sit back and and, uh, you know, if they have a specific question for me, I answer it. But otherwise, I don't want to talk.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think it's terrific. Uh, you know, and, and you're seeing that. I imagine that excitement, too. You know, you're kind of building on, uh, you know, you, you can get up there and, and make lots of promises. But if you have students talking about, you know, you you're brought up things that were important to the students, students uh, their credits and, you know, how, how it's going to help them directly, how it's helped them. I think that really makes it a lot more. Uh, it, l- it lends a lot more credibility as well uh, to Absolutely. the process. So one of the things that I think also we talked about, and you you kind of already alluded to, and I've talked a little bit about this, is these students are basically employable in in a lab the day they graduate. Um, you know, or they have to take certification tests or whatever but they're ready to they're ready to be employed so how does that motivate a lot of the students through the two-year program certainly you have students who plan on going to college you talked a little bit about some of those but you also have students as you said those minor league those, those kind of minor leaguers who just they just want to have a good a good job and, and a good a good career and go up the ladder in a, in a more natural way so how does that? you know, how is that motivating uh, the students? And I'm, I'm ass- assuming that the, the the parents also really love the fact that they have kids who are walking out of high school with employable skills.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, I mean, it, it's hugely motivating. It's something that, to a certain extent, I can kind of hold over their head. You know, you gotta have um, a certain academic standing in terms of your grades. You have to be not having any referrals or any of that sort of stuff. That um, I'm not going to let you go out on co-op, therefore you couldn't get the certification, you couldn't um, get the experience necessary to get employed if you're um, not working hard in my class. and My way that I describe it to the students on day one is this is a two-year-long interview. Right. And so... I can do great recommendations. I can guarantee that you're gonna get a job, not only here, but I've even had some of my students that have gone to Texas, and I have connections through LinkedIn, where I called them up, I said, I have a student that's gonna be moving to San Antonio. Do you have anyone that you can connect me with that uh, I can talk to them about my student? And um, so that breadth of connections, that ability to help students get jobs is hugely motivating and it makes it so that every day you're coming in and you know you got to work and when right. there's downtime they're working on other stuff i mean at minimum if they've got all their work done they're completely caught up it may lead to them and uh, the short term you know working on their med terms because we do a thousand prefixes and suffixes of medical terminology
0: but right. it also
1: can be where i can i had one student that was like three weeks ahead i sent them out on a shadow where he went to local labs and uh watch people draw blood before he went out on co-op. Um, and that, that's a huge motivator too. You know, yeah. if I get stuff done early, you're telling me that I can uh, go out on a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, absolutely. That's hugely motivating and the parents love to see their kids grow. Um, you know, th- th- just even the first open house, usually three to four weeks into school, their students know how to do stuff that I learned in college. So, like, for example, they're able to use a micropropeter to collect a sample of pond water or um, set up a slide for doing a bacterial stain. Then they're going and actually grabbing real bacteria and telling their parents how to stain it. And then they have the our binocular compound microscopes that go up to 1,000x and are research-grade optics And they could show their parents, this is bacteria that was on that plate that we collected from over there. And it's just a powerful experience. And only three or four weeks in, let alone when they're done with two years of work and have 60 or so skills in their their, uh, back pocket. That's
0: really great. And you, and we and you talked. I mean, not only do you get the uh, and and as you've indicated, you not only get their that work experience, but you're also getting. It's also very academically rigorous too. I mean, we we talked about it in the pre-interview about, you, you, re, very regular tests, very rig. Regu- I mean, college. It sounded like college level type tests that that you're giving them. Pretty so much, yeah.
1: Really, you're really challenging these kids. Yeah. No, except like stuff that I was doing in college. Or even some things that I learned um, later on in my career when I was working in research; um, those are things that uh, they're learning in high school. Yeah. So, what about the labs? I mean, this is, we we talked we've talked a lot
0: about that. You know, the kids how they're motivated by this. The parents are excited. You Certainly, are have legislators there that are uh, they are interested. Um, you're getting the equipment you have. You it sounds like you're being highly supported by the the school district, or school districts, I guess. Um, what about the labs? How are they reacting? I mean, you're you're talking about placing kids in, you know, after school. They're in Texas. They're locally in Rochester and you know, in the the Western New York area. What's what's the reaction? Are they, do they get excited the fact that you are helping to to fill that pipeline, at least with the, at the entry level uh, uh,
1: point? Absolutely, they are super supportive. Um, I have the University of Rochester, Rochester Regional Health, and the American Red Cross are all wanting to work with us, with our students. They realize that same thing that I talked about earlier with the minor league of the medical lab. They have huge needs. Um, I did a talk in last March, so that's the reason I have the number in my head. At that time, there were 52 phlebotomy openings in the at the Christmas time before that March talk, so uh, March or December of twenty twenty one, there are fifty two openings for phlebotomy, twenty five for M L T, and fifty or one hundred five of M L S, and wow. so the the need is there. They realize it, and similar stuff for the the lab assistant role for, in terms of, in comparison to phlebotomy, and it's something that that it's you got to kind of think out of the box and it, it took a while um to, to convince them but i had several students that basically acted as my ambassadors who completed my program we didn't have the co-ops at that time so they went and worked in the labs they got i was help able to help them get into the labs to work there and those managers saw how good my students were and so they started to go okay yeah th- this is legit and so you know, working with um, my way up in terms of the administrative levels to the point where when the uh, I got high enough in those levels, they said, let's make it happen. Get, uh, we're going to get our lawyers involved with your lawyers. We'll figure out. Right. And um, the first one took about three months. The second one took about six weeks because we already kind of wow. knew what uh, what. Was needed for the for those organizations to allow it, but I have students that are under 18 drawing blood on real patients for real samples with the those companies trainers,
0: right. and
1: so it's it's really like they've been hired. I'm um, so they're going through the same initial like HIPAA trainings for that company and all the mm-hmm. they're being onboarded essentially. So they go through the onboarding process and then they have their trainer and you know the trainer is gonna do it at that student's pace. The goal is that they have to have at least 50 successful sticks, but sometimes we get as high as 120, and I think all of them so far have had at least an 85% success rate. So it's not like they got 50, but they tried on 100 patients. Right, exactly. Uh, exactly. And, you know, there's been times when students, they were initially refused because I'm a stuffed stick and I'm a cancer patient, and then the trainer's supposed to do it, and the trainer couldn't get it after two tries and so the patient said well you're here why don't you give it a shot and she got it and that was a huge confidence boost so they go in to these trainings a little bit nervous scared that sort of thing and uh because they haven't done a ton of uh in-person draws they have a fake arm that they do it on but then after the end of the week they come out kind of cocky like give me a vein (laughs) i'll hit the vein i don't care exactly and so it's it's just a Amazing transformation in that week or two weeks Um, because we uh, the full bottom we do forty hours, eight hours a day, five days a week. The medical lab assistant we break up so that it's like two hours a day over the course of several months, Um, simply because we just don't want to burden the labs that much with doing like you know two weeks straight to knock it out.
0: All right. Well, you know, one thing I'm interested in, and I ask this particularly because uh, I was someone who was turned off from science and, and math and High school uh, do unfortunately to some, frankly, some duds of uh, science and math teachers, and and I think that's very a very common uh, sort of thing that happens to a lot of young people. When do you think? I mean, from your experience, when do you think we should be introducing science or, or science to kids, and more and more importantly, how do we keep them engaged? Now, you're certainly doing that at your program, but more in general how do we keep how do we keep these you know more kids how do we, how do we get to a point where you're you're basically either having to build a new classroom a bigger classroom or you're having to turn kids kids away to, to your program so what, what are some of your ideas and thoughts on that?
1: I would say that you definitely in middle school and high school you could develop um, lessons that teach the content that they're supposed to be teaching in terms of biology, or chemistry or um, any of those sort of things that they're doing their science classes in those years mm-hmm. that are obviously at the level that they can understand, but have medical laboratory concepts in them. Right. And that, that makes it a lot more interesting than uh, taking an onion and putting a little bit of uh, stain on it and watching it on a slide, you know, right. trying to bring in some of those real things that can help students imagine this in a real life situation versus this is just something I'm doing for science class. And I'm actually trying to work with a couple of friends of mine to develop those sort of lessons that could be turnkey for science teachers and have it so that they could immediately hop in and be teaching about the medical laboratory, especially if you took in patient stories. So like Mm -hmm. the the ASCP has their patient champions um, website that has all these great stories about, um, uh, patients and how laboratory medicine helped them but then bringing in the what's going on in the background part two is part of that lesson so you know you're getting that blood sample from the phlebotomist and that that person um draws blood maybe even have the person happen to mention while they're talking i got a certification to do this i didn't have to go to college or having um you know talking about the, the medical lab technician took the sample and did this with her, or the scientist did this or whatever so that they, they could uh be more that would be something more in their head because right now with medicine everyone knows what a doctor does everyone knows what a nurse does they know what a dentist does they think they know that the phlebotomist is a nurse um uh, not a phlebotomist um so there's a lot of misconceptions and then Any of the other stuff that's actually in the laboratory portion don't exist in their minds. And so that's why we're the hidden profession. We need to be getting out there so that it's on their tongue, at least in middle school, if not definitely by high school. But also you can definitely bring in um, guest speakers and things of that nature to elementary school students. You obviously got to bring it down to their level, but you can do some really fun things that are just like magic to them that they yeah. na- na- you know, wouldn't even imagine. And that can just have that little bit of spark, especially if you can help those um, those teachers to keep that spark going. Here's some things you can talk about. Or right. if you saw this thing in the news, here's a little bit that can help you. And right. so it could, could be a very powerful thing. Um, another thing that I um, was suggesting that uh, um, we do is at the high school level, maybe even the middle school, having local labs bring uh, laboratorians out from the workforce to come into high schools. So contact the counselors or the science teachers or even the administrators of those schools, say, we'd like to come in and we're gonna do a activity day thing where we're gonna talk about the medical laboratory careers and uh, have some activities for the students to participate in. And then in their back pocket saying, we also would like to do a field trip. And so having students come into the medical labs and see the real thing. So one of the things that I think, because it is behind the curtain, no one can imagine themselves behind that curtain because they've never seen it. Where like the first field trip that my students go on to see the medical lab, suddenly everything that we've been doing makes sense. It has that context. And even if you weren't in a program like mine, but you suddenly see, okay, So they were talking about molecular diagnostics and looking at uh, karyotypes, so I could do karyotype labs in high school, see an actual karyotype being done. Um, Right. You know, all those sort of things. And then I would even have it that a certain number that are are interested, maybe set up between a one and eight hour shadow and have the students get a chance to see a tech work, you know, at their job. Because the only Mm -hmm. downside to a field trip is generally you have a limited amount of time in a given area and the really cool thing may have come in two minutes after you left right and so right. if you're there for an hour or eight hours you're probably going to run into something interesting having come uh, down the pipeline at some point and that can be a really powerful thing and then they have a really good understanding and start to imagine themselves that these are my people is the way i like to phrase it that I am yeah. definitely, I belong here. I think that's an important thing. I think that, that imagination uh,
0: uh, part of it is, is really uh, important, an important part of it. There was, a, there was a, something we posted on the website, it, it was about uh, science education, and this. I think it was a first grade class, and they had all the kids imagine themselves as, as various scientists, and particularly the girls, they had imagined themselves as Marie Curie. And and they had to do like it was kind of like what you your your little mystery thing or, or you know your kind of a activity around something like real and historical or something, and kids just ate it up. They just just lo- They just absolutely loved it. And the, and they it was a really powerful way, in particular, to uh, the part of the program was to engage more girls in in science, um, and they really found that it really helped help to do that, but both for the boys and the girls uh, to to uh, have them imagine themselves as these historical figures and pretend and yeah. but also make it real. And I think that's a really, that's a really important thing. And as you get older, you know, you can make it more and more real. And, and, and then you imagine yourself, as you said, in the profession. So now there's no doubt, obviously you are, you are so helping to solve this problem, at least in, in your local area. And, and certainly you have students going all over the country, it sounds like. But not all, of the, not all of our listeners can or want to switch careers to education. So what can they do? You kind of touched on this a little bit, but what can they do directly? What are some ideas that our listeners saying, hey, this is, this is great what Jim's doing. Uh, what can I do to help maybe alleviate the, sh- the shortage a little
1: bit? Yeah, no, I, I think that the biggest thing is actively advocating for the profession. So, um, you know, ASCLS has that hashtag labvocate. Um, Mm -hmm. and I absolutely absolutely any chance I get I'm lab locating I'm going out and trying to talk to anyone about the laboratory and so trying to have some statistics in your backpack or other things that can be good talking points that can really make a powerful statement um, to people is really useful with that so like for example um, I know that we do 13 billion laboratory tests every year to put that in perspective if we counted that in seconds what is 13 billion seconds that's 412 years so we do a lot of tests um yeah. we, we have we have 26,000 new graduates we need every single year we only graduate 5,000 uh 45% of the field has 20 or more years experience so we have a retirement wave coming that the You know, like I said, locally we had 52 phlebotomy openings, 25 MLTs, uh, and 105 MLS, which is even harder to make up um, because you need to require that four year degree. But having some of those stats in your back pocket, knowing the potential career pathways, whether you're talking about at the entry level, the phlebotomist, lab assistant, your sterile processing tech, you know, your two year degrees, your histotech, and your MLT. Um, your four-year degrees like cytotech and MLS and uh, Histotechnologist. you know your master's degrees like pathologist assistant, and then you got your doctorate. So that's your pathologist or your doctor of clinical laboratory science, the DCLS. So knowing about those career paths and a little bit about them, you know, putting a little research into that can be helpful in those conversations. So when somebody asks you a question, you don't have to go, um, I don't know. But um, you can also be actively talking to your bosses. So let's say you're working in a lab and you really think that this would be a great idea to do what I was just talking about with going into those labs and doing the guest speaker presentations, the field trips, all that. Talk to your bosses. See if they might be interested. We are in a crisis in terms of the uh, medical laboratory and every person helping will will get through this. But we need to be actively, all of us, doing our part. And it requires a little bit of outside work out of your day, but it's so, so worth it. And I know ASCP also has the Career Ambassadors Program, so they can even help you with that presentation part if that's not your skill set. Um, and certainly those are skills that if you don't have them now, they can really help your career down the road. So it's a good way to to, to get going on that. Um, but actively trying to do that. Uh, t- if you're a part of a church or a community group, say, can I do a talk about? The medical laboratory, laboratory medicine, most likely they're going to say yes. Um, you know, the, the um, you know, talking to your your. Um, if you got a kid in uh, preschool or elementary school, can you come in and talk to your kids, students, you know, their their, um, their class about what you do, um, and bring stuff with you. If you can bring anything that they can touch and do, do right. it because th- it becomes so much more real than so I do medical laboratory tests and I do this like you, you got to have something for them to want to get engaged with
0: well with that I think we're gonna have to cut our, our discussion short and I think it's just a, a preliminary of our of many more we can have uh, Jim thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today and thank you for what you do I, re, I really think you've created a, a model for uh, other school districts to follow and, and other other uh, educators like yourself to follow and and I hope you can come back and visit me again very soon maybe maybe even bring a student with me with you next time I'd love to speak maybe one of them okay uh, yeah I also want to thank you the laboratory audience for listening uh, look for more episodes of Clinical Lab Chat in the future uh, and visit us online at clpmag.com and on all of our all of the uh, major social media platforms so until next time